Welcome to Belfast City Vineyard, where we are pursuing formation in the presence of Jesus, community gathered around Him, and the impact He empowers us to bring in our families, city, and the world. The following message was given at one of our Sunday services. For more information, visit our website at BelfastCityVineyard.com. Good morning. My name is Gunter, uh, if we haven't met each other before. We are in the middle of a very short sermon series that we're calling What Might Happen If. And today we're going to take a look at what might happen if we decided to pray for somebody. You know, just as you become aware of somebody else's need, be that, be that physical, uh, emotional, spiritual, offering to pray for them right there and then. Inviting God to make himself real and for him to meet their need. Now, my own journey into this, into this whole sort of area of praying for other people, uh, has been a bit of an interesting one. I, I've been part of church pretty much all of my life since I was a young boy. It wasn't until about 18 years ago, uh, though, when, when I first met the vineyard, that I bumped into this idea of, of praying for somebody in person. And if... At first, if I'm honest about it, I, I really wasn't all that sure about it. Uh, of course, you know, I, I was all in favor of praying for other people, but I was, I was used to that being in the privacy of my own prayer time with God, you know, just kind of quietly or silently praying, talking to Him. Uh, but certainly not with me standing right there in front of the person, praying out loud, and they can hear me. And even as I then sort of became okay with the idea and I gave it a go, I still just wasn't sure that it was for me. You know, I just, I didn't feel like, like one of those people, you know, the kinds of people who would stand in front of a camera and preach a sermon on, on praying for others. I just, I didn't feel like one of those kinds of people out there doing that sort of thing. Somehow, though, I'm not sure how it happened. Someone probably just, you know, <laughs> took me along, and I got, I got praying for somebody else, and then another person, and then another person, and after a while, I found the most unexpected thing happen, which was that I absolutely loved it. I was still scared most of the time, but I found I absolutely enjoyed the experience, and I hope that's an encouragement to you. If, if this subject is something that's sort of new or different, or maybe even uh, slightly uncomfortable for you, what I'd like to do today is, is really just two things. The first one is to take a look at what is our biblical basis for praying for other people. As followers of Jesus, it's such a privilege to, to have the Word of God, to have Scripture as the foundation for everything that we say, everything that we do. So we're going to take a look at our biblical basis. And then I just want to provide some practical tools, sort of a, a how-to for how do you actually pray for somebody. So let's start then with what Scripture has to say. When you observe the life of Jesus, he, he prays for people in person a lot. So there are many places in the Gospels or the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus that we, we could go to take a look at. I want to focus on just one, though, in Luke chapter 4. So here's what we read happens in Luke 4, 38 to 44. Jesus left the synagogue, so that's the church, effectively, and he went to the home of Simon, who's one of his closest friends. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once, she began to wait on them. When the sun was setting, 
The people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, so word got out, obviously, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them, and he would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. At daybreak, so this has obviously been a very long night, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And so he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now, there, there are all kinds of rich details we, we could take away from this passage. I want to focus on just a handful. In fact, I really just want to focus on four. The first one is, we see here Jesus did pray for all kinds of needs. He, plays, he prays for uh, physical needs, he prays for uh, spiritual freedom, and as you look throughout the Gospels, there's plenty more things that he prays for. So that's, that's just the first thing, is that Jesus prayed for, for all kinds of things. The second thing is Jesus didn't pray out of his own strength, out of his own ability, even though he's the Son of God. But rather he prayed out of a deep personal connection with his Heavenly Father. We see in verse 42, he makes sure he takes time in the midst of all this busyness, all the people around him, to get away to a solitary place and to spend time with his Father and to be recharged. So that's where his strength comes from. And then thirdly, when he prayed, we see he did so with very simple and and very short prayers. He didn't feel the need to use any special words, any magic language, any long sentences. Interestingly, when when he prayed for physical healing, he also often spoke just directly to the condition with no sort of need to convince God first that this was a good idea or, you know, get permission. Instead, he just spoke to the condition with simple Authority. So, for example, in this passage, he just rebukes the fever in Simon's mother-in-law. And then elsewhere in the Gospels, to a crippled man, he says, get up, take your mat, walk. To a person with leprosy, he says, be clean. So, just very simple, very short, very direct prayers. And then finally, the fourth thing, thing that we see in this passage, and this really is a very, very key thing, is at the very end here where they, they beg Jesus to stay, but he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. This, this phrase that the kingdom of God is so significant, we see it throughout the Gospels. Jesus understood his whole ministry the whole reason that he'd, he'd come, why he was here in the first place, as the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, of the rule, the reign of God, making things the way that they should be. And we, we just instinctively long for that, don't we? We know this world is broken. We, we see it. We experience it on a daily basis. And we long for someone to come and to change that. And Jesus announces in the Gospels, that day has come in me. I am starting to make all the broken things new. Beginning with restored relationship with God, but not ending there. I have come to bring life to the full, as he says in John 10, verse 10. The kingdom of God, wholeness, well-being in every way. And so as disciples of Jesus as his followers, as, as his apprentices, as his friends, we get to do what we see Jesus doing, what he showed us 
to do. We pray for anyone who might have any kind of need, emotional, spiritual, physical. We pray not out of our own strength, not out of our own ability, but out of being personally connected to God, our Heavenly Father, through Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. And we pray short, simple prayers with no need for, for flowery language or you know trying to convince God, but just with simple authority as his beloved sons, as his daughters. And in so doing, we are continuing the ministry of Jesus, of proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of God. And so that's, that's our, our biblical foundation. But how does that actually look here and now? How do you, how do you go about praying for somebody? In the vineyard, we've developed something that we uh, call a five-step model. Now, this is by no means the only way to pray for somebody else. Uh, it's not a magical formula where, you know, if you get it just right, then God has to do what, what you want. But it is just a framework. It's something that's easy to remember and easy to do. So here's how it goes. Number one, ask the person, can I pray for you right now? Or maybe you already know what they need prayer for. They've told you. And so you might ask them, can I pray for you right now? So, very simple. Just ask. Secondly, check why they have the need. Now, lots of times it is pretty obvious, so you don't need to ask. You know, they've told you, I've got a sore leg because I was in a car accident. Sometimes, though, it isn't obvious. So, it can be helpful to just clarify. So, for example, you know, asking something like, well, when did you start, first start getting that, that sore neck? Uh, is there anything big you sort of remember happen, happening around that time? And you might find out, for example, that their neck pain started when they began a new job and they've been experiencing a lot of stress. And so now you can pray for the neck, which, of course, you could have done anyway. You don't need to ask any further questions. You could, you could certainly have just prayed for the neck. But it also means that you can now pray for their, their work situation. You can pray for the anxiety, which are at the root of why they have the pain in the first place. So ask what you can pray for. If useful, check, clarify why they have that need, and then just go ahead and pray. And again, you know, simple, short prayers are great. Speaking directly to physical conditions. I often say something like this. And again, it's not a magic formula. It's just something I can remember. I'll just, just, just pray something like this. I'll say, thank you, Father, for, let's say, Michael. Would you fill him right now with your love from the very top of his head to the bottom of his toes? Let him experience your love for him. And I speak to his back and I say, be well in the name of Jesus. Amen. Observe what's happening, number four. And this is kind of funky because... Usually when we pray, we are used to keeping our eyes closed, aren't we? That's just sort of normally how it works. But in order to see what's happening when you're praying for somebody, it's actually best to keep your eyes open. So it can feel a bit different. But what that will do is it'll allow you to, for example, see if the person is experiencing God's presence, if the Holy Spirit is touching them. Uh, so, for example, you, you might see their eyelids fluttering, uh, or their, their, their cheeks are flushed, or their, their hands are trembling. Maybe they've just got a serene, really peaceful smile on their face. Or maybe you notice something else. So, for example, maybe you're, you're praying for something difficult that someone is going through emotionally. 
and by keeping your eyes open, you can, you can see they're, they're crying. And so you can just invite God to come alongside and to comfort them. So it's really just a matter of watching and responding. If, as you're watching them, you're, you're just not sure what to say, that is perfectly fine. Silence is great. You know, just, just pray your best simple short prayer and then just go ahead and be quiet. And just give them the space to, to meet with God and room for God to do whatever He needs to. If you're praying for, for someone for physical healing, quite often one of the best ways to, to observe or see how things are going is, that, is just to ask them. Um, and in fact, one of the things that I found really useful is I'll, I'll use a scale of 1 to 10 where I'll say, you know, if before we prayed, the pain you're experiencing on a scale of 1 to 10 was, let's call it a 10, how would you describe the pain now? Where would you put it? And this is kind of helpful because it just gives you sort of a graded scale to understand how things are going. So they might say 7 or 3, that's where things are now. You might find they need to maybe move about a little bit to just test out whatever it is, whatever part of the body you've been praying for. If there's no change, so say you know, you're praying for physical healing and it was a 10, it's still a 10, or maybe there's a partial change, it's gone to a 6 or whatever, it is perfectly okay to pray for them again. I'll often say something like, you know, on one occasion, Jesus prayed for a blind man. And the first time he prayed for him, the man could begin to see, but people, they sort of looked like blurry tree shapes moving around him. And so Jesus had to pray for him a second time. And I reckon that if the Son of God had to have two goes, I get at least three and possibly a lot more. So by all means, just, you know, offer to pray for them again, if that's appropriate and if they'd like that. And then lastly, finish well. And, and all I mean by that is whatever else happens when you're praying for them, whether they're healed, not healed, our highest value as followers of Jesus and as his, as his church is that when they walk away, they would feel absolutely loved by Him, by us. And, and most of the time, all that takes is just being nice, you know, just being kind to them as you pray for them. Sometimes, though, it can be helpful to say something encouraging. So, for example, if they're not healed, I might just say something like, you know, in our experience, sometimes people are healed instantly, sometimes they're healed gradually, and sometimes they're healed later. And even if it doesn't come, I just want you to know, it isn't because God doesn't love you. He loves you so much. And I would be honored, I would be delighted to pray for you anytime if you'd like that again. And that's all it takes. I want to finish this morning with, uh, with a story. In my own experience, some of the most encouraging and some of the most powerful encounters I've had in this area of praying for other people have happened when I didn't feel like praying at all. You know, I was tired, or I just I felt I had no faith, I had nothing in me, uh, or I, I was just petrified. But somehow... I still managed to open my mouth and offer it to pray anyway. A few years ago, I was on a work trip to the United States, and it was at the end of the week. It was a Saturday, and I finally had the chance to, to go and see a bit of the countryside, and I was with a friend of mine who'd come on the work trip as well, and we went out to this pretty bit of uh, Californian countryside uh, to a place with a, a great name called Whiskey Town Falls. And as we're walking along, we, saw, we met another couple, 
some locals and we got chatting and I could see that the husband was walking along really uncomfortably. And it, it kind of came up in conversation why that was, that he'd had uh, pelvis surgery, but it hadn't gone that great. He still had a big gap, and he was, he was afraid he was going to have to have surgery uh, again. And then, I guess because we were talking about him physically, it also got onto the topic of the wife, and she also had pain. She had uh, fused vertebra in her neck. And as they're sharing all this, my instinct was just to think, oh, no. I guess I'm going to have to pray for these people. But I'll be honest with you, I just didn't feel like it at all. You know, I was tired. It had been a long week. This was kind of my time. Um, I, I wasn't feeling very inspired, you know, particularly filled with faith, particularly Christian, whatever that looks like. And, and I also just didn't really want it to be awkward. You know, we're in the middle of nowhere. What if they said no? It'd be really weird walking along in awkward silence the rest of the way. There's nowhere any of us could go to. But even as I was processing all of this, I hear my friend, who's also a follower of Jesus, in the midst of my thoughts, saying to them, well, hey, can we pray for you right now? Great. Thank you. And so we did. We, we prayed for the husband, and his pain went from what had been 10 to 5. We prayed for him again, went from 5 to 2.5, so roughly half each time. And then my friend, who to this day, I don't know what possessed him. Uh, the only thing I can think is when you're in foreign countries, you do strange things. He says to the husband, he says, hey, why don't you pray for your wife? I mean, this poor guy has never been in church in his life. I don't know what frame of reference he has for what we're doing. But fair play to him. He does. And his wife was instantly healed. Her, prayer went for, her, sorry, her, her, her pain went from 10 to 0. And she could turn her head all the way to the right with full mobility. She couldn't do that before. In fact, she could turn it better to the right than she could to the left. And there was nothing wrong with the left. And when we prayed for her husband uh, again, his, his uh, pain also disappeared completely. We also had some words and, and pictures of encouragement for them. It was just the coolest thing afterwards. Watching them walk back down the hill again. As we'd all been walking up, there was a waterfall we were all headed towards. He just looked so incredibly uncomfortable. Like, the only, the only way I can think to describe it is like John Wayne or, you know, a cowboy's been on a horse for way too long, for days. He just looked that bad. But now, he strode back down the hill without a care in the world. Whether it's in the countryside in another country, whether it's here at BCV on a Sunday morning or one of the many other places we find ourselves in between, there will always be a reason not to pray. We will feel tired, we will feel inadequate, we will feel scared. But when we do anyway, we just take a leap, take a couple of seconds of, of crazy courageousness and say, can I pray for you right now? That's when the remarkable happens. We experience the privilege of ushering another person into the presence of God and seeing him meet their needs, seeing the kingdom come. I'd like to just pray for us to finish. Jesus, thank you that you came to give us life to the full, to experience the inbreaking of the kingdom of God in our lives in every way, and we're just so grateful. And Lord, just as we have freely received, would you help us? Despite our, our tiredness, our reservations, our fears, 
to also freely give, to step out and give praying for somebody a go so you can make yourself real to them. And so we can participate in seeing your kingdom come in the life of somebody else. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information about what's happening in the life of our church, or if you have any questions or comments, head over to BelfastCityVineyard.com.